0: Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast, where we discuss the technical and people side of safety. Safety should be your primary leadership tool for discovering more about your people and culture. Your host is Dr. Mark French, also known as the Safety Dude. Mark is a credentialed, experienced, and passionate professional with experience in automotive, food, chemical, nuclear, e-commerce, and energy sectors. He is going to share information and anecdotes from years of experience in the people side of safety based on industrial and organizational psychological theories. Safety is so much more than a technical skill. It is a motivational need that defines the culture of your organization. Employee safety is a meaningful business practice that makes a direct impact on everyone through direct behavioral engagement. That is why your organization should be using safety as a key method to learn about your culture and lead your teams. Thanks for joining this episode as we talk through current issues in people management and how they impact our everyday workplace.
1: And welcome to this episode of the leading and learning through safety podcast. Hey, I am your host, Mark, and I am always happy that you've made the choice to join me for the podcast. So this week, uh, kicking things off, really talking about something I'm very passionate about, and that's learning. Uh, it's in the title of my podcast, even. I care about it so much. And it was part of my Ph.D. dissertation was actually about adult learning. How do we make it engaging? How do we create learning that is psychologically engaging and opens for people that we can learn from it? And the news story I came across was extremely interesting from that standpoint of looking at learning, looking at that idea of what is learning and what is the requirement of it. So I just want to, let me just jump into this rather than hinting at it. I'd rather just get started. How about that? So this is from uh, Human Resources Director Magazine, and it was from this week, but the injury was from some time ago, but it was basically a judge uh, continued to rule on it. So the employer in California had breached its duty to provide a safe workplace when it sent an unsupervised and untrained minor to work without anything knowing. So basically this boutique wanted a sign holder at the corner of a road. They hired a 17-year-old as a sign-holder spinner. You, you've probably seen those on the street uh, anywhere where there's someone holding a sign or they're, some of them are really good at it and they're spinning the sign on a the sidewalk. There was an injury. Something happened that resulted in an injury to the leg and back resulting in the amputation of the left foot. So a 17-year-old was put on the side of the street to hold a sign, spin a sign, get business drummed up for this organization in California. Something happened. The news does not cover that. I couldn't find anything exactly on that, on what caused it. The injury was from back in 2017. So it's been a while, but finally the the law process went through. The 17-year-old lost his foot from spinning this sign. And ultimately, of course, at a significant rate of impairment because of that, in February, he was granted a certain amount of money. And then ultimately, it was appealed. The appeal, what this is talking about is the appeal did not work, that they are going to still owe that money to this person for that injury. What was the findings behind it? One, uh, the witnesses and everything gave good testimony. There was truth of whatever had happened. Uh, they failed to provide a safe workplace. That's inherent. There was an injury, therefore there was not a safe workplace. They breached their duty to train and to provide that safe workplace when they put this person at a sidewalk near an intersection without any training and without any instructions. And ultimately, there was, of course, doctor opinions of, of how this would affect this young person's life, the rest of their life affected because of something like a science spinner. And I want to start with that premise that sometimes in organizations, there is a decision made that, well, how bad could it be? This should be easy. Anyone should be able to do that that anyone should feel that this is safe. And it actually says in this article, and of course I will put this on my Facebook page, I will put this as part of my LinkedIn page. If you're on those, you can see the link, that the when the employer asked for reconsideration back in February, it argued that they were negligent at all because there's there's automatic dangers that should be inherent to a science spinner's work. And that that danger was common knowledge. And so therefore they didn't feel like they deserved any any punishment. They they why would they deserve to be punished when something like this happens because everybody knows it's dangerous and everybody knows because it's dangerous that they should be careful. Isn't that why OSHA was created? This reminds me of if you jump back in the early 1900s And before, let's go even further back. But we'll start there and say, like, that working at heights was known to be dangerous. So we will hire people who are safe. We'll hire people who will go, "Hey, I'll try not to fall today." And therefore, we we should have no, at we should not be held any accountability because everybody knows it's dangerous. This circular logic to me is wrong. It absolutely, if it's dangerous, therefore you need training. The other argument that I've thought that they would probably have tried is that, well, it's not, it should have been so simple and not dangerous. Therefore we didn't have training, but instead they're like, oh, it's so dangerous. We don't have to give training. (laughs) What? You know, working around uh, concentrated hydrochloric acid is dangerous, we shouldn't have to give training. People just know that's dangerous. Oh, you're, you're going to be a steel worker? You're going to c- climb poles or be an electrician? That's da- Everybody knows that's dangerous. Therefore, you should just automatically know it's dangerous and know how to be safe. That's the argument here. So certainly that is not a good argument for a 17-year-old who's permanently changed because of something that should have been easily potentially mitigated, now, I don't know the the background of this to say it could have been a bad driving situation it could have been there could have been a lot of things involved here that could lead to this on the side of the road. There's a lot of unpredictable factors that come into when you're working on the side of the road. Some of the work I've done in my past is uh street lighting, so I know that you have a you control as much as you possibly can, knowing good and well that there could be something that you haven't thought about that could come out of nowhere because you're in such a public atmosphere. Things can go wrong. I've seen buildings where there was a car accident way in, in, in an intersection, a good distance away from a building, but somehow that wreck led to a person skipping across a median through a parking lot, not hitting any cars, but somehow coming into contact with the building and breaking a wall down. You, you don't see that those kinds of things can happen, but you still have to do something. You have to be as prepared as you can be for items that could go wrong. And so if you are taking a 17 year old, a minor, you're sticking them on the corner of a, of a busy road with a sign. You at least want to do some training. You at least want to do some explanation of, Hey, you're here. Don't get too close to the edge of the road. Step back a little bit. If traffic is stopped, maybe that's when you can take a step. To me, there's a process that you would at least walk through to prepare this person for their work. Now, is it going to be like a four-hour safety training? No. Do I see that needing a four-hour safety training? I doubt it. Does it need at least something that would have addressed safety? Something that would have prepared the person for, hey, stay hydrated even, or here have some sunscreen, or wear a hat. Yeah, that's common human decency. It, it, to just throw someone out there with no preparation or it, to even check on them, to me, blows my mind. Let's talk more about that. Coming up in the next half of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. T-S-D-A Consulting. Learn you lead others. The Myers-Briggs Type Indicator is an amazing tool. The problem is that it can be easily misinterpreted. Dr. Mark French is MBTI certified and ready to help you discover your inner strengths. The MBTI assessment can help with team building, stress management, communication, conflict management, and so much more. Individual and group sessions are available to help you discover what makes you great. For more information, visit us on the web at tsdaconsulting.com. And welcome back to the second half of the Leading and Learning through Safety podcast. This week we're talking about in a news article where a miner was put on the corner of a road with a sign as a sign spinner, sign holder was injured, significantly injured, and the argument that was being made that lost ultimately is that Everybody knows the inherent dangers of that. Why would we have need to do training? And the way this works is you look at what hazards are present and you train to those in whatever way you can. I am going to tell you a little bit of a story. I'm very proud of my wife. She has her own business. She does pottery. She does face painting. She does henna. Uh, So she travels around to a lot of festivals and sometimes she needs help and I'm not always available. Sometimes our children are not always available to help. And so she'll hire some help here and there or, or have people volunteer to help her as part of her work. And yes, she's married to the safety guy. Safety dude here does take things seriously when it comes to making sure that things are safe and right. But a lot of it she researched and did on her own to make sure that she did the right thing with her business that her business was ethical. So for instance, she doesn't use a lot of chemicals, but she does have she does have material safety or safety data sheets for her paints and she's bought very expensive hypoallergenic paints. These aren't just random face paints. They're very well constructed and even the company provides a safety data sheet the oils and the all natural henna products that go into her henna. And she actually has a certification for the natural henna arts. She's worked to make sure that she's done it the right way. Not that it's not that anyone can ever be perfect or foresee everything, but there are certain things. Again, you look at what hazards do we know about? What can we control and how can we be prepared for that? So she has safety data sheets. And I've never been to a fair and found someone like that with safety data sheets, but she has them in her case. If someone wants to request them, they're available. She always has sunscreen. She always sets up a tent so that she's blocked from the sun anybody working with her. They're handling cash. So there's a protocol for safety of having two people, making sure that they're together, making sure there's a buddy system. There's methods in that the way that they take breaks, the way that they handle their merchandise, the even to where we found better ways to lift and roll materials, load them into the truck. We've, we've looked at these things and really I've just been there is looking at what she's discovered and said, yeah, that's actually good. That That's probably one of the best in class techniques for what you're doing. I'm amazed by that. And that was I'm sure through just being around and hearing what I do, those thoughts were there, but I can't take a lot of credit for it. When started researching her business and how to run that business appropriately, that's where she discovered that there are certain things that needed to be done to be ethical, to be correct and to be available. And that's, what's important in this is the whole idea of the job safety analysis. You look at what is there that could be dangerous. What are the hazards that are present? How do we mitigate them? Sometimes it's training. For instance, just having a first aid kit available for minor first aid incidents, most of the time, I'd say all the time, she's handing a bandaid to someone else that a kid that's been running around playing at this fair has come up and has maybe a scraped knee. No one else had a bandaid. Well, guess who has one? My wife, because she's prepared and able to provide that. Maybe it's a cleansing wipe to wipe off that dirt and debris before you put on the, the bandaid it's there. Extra sunscreen available, making sure that we bring a cooler full of water and being hydrated and having food available because you're going to get hungry and maybe the food vendors are too packed and you can't get over to them. And that's beyond just basic safety. That's just being a human being running a business in a fair and ethical way. And so I hear about this story where this company, and I'm sure they didn't have intentions of wanting to hurt someone, hired a 17-year-old, thought nothing of it. Hey, stand here on the corner, hold the sign. Something terrible happened. and may be completely out of their control. But the argument that you should just know better, that, that everybody knows the dangers of standing on the edge of the road, holding a sign, therefore, what should we have done different is a terrible, terrible argument because there's always something you could have done. There's something If you did nothing, there's something you could have done because there's always something more than nothing. Is there something you could have learned if you had done some other things? Maybe. And maybe there's something there that would have been less negligent. But doing nothing is ultimate negligence, in my opinion. If you hire someone for any job and you give them zero on-the-job training, and especially zero safety training, something is very, very wrong and needs to be changed We're not even into the idea of how do we motivate people through training? How do we make the training better? How do we make the training engaging? How do we make it to where people want to learn that and need to learn it and absorb it in a way that they can use the knowledge? We're not even talking about that part of it. We're only talking about right basic, hey, here's what to do in case of an emergency, or here's my emergency contact number, or hey, here's at least a bottle of water, you should drink this occasionally. Oh, you should just know, just know those dangers. And that's not true. Even though it may be common sense to some people, it's not common sense to everyone. Common sense is relative to your situation. If you have never lived in a certain part of the country, how would you know what dangers there are from an insect and animal? Because it's very different. If you go to the south, to the north, east, and west, there are different dangers from just inherently living there based on the animal and insect population. And that's me just giving an example of how common sense for someone in one of those locations is different than anyone in a different location that has never been there. And so there has to be that change. There has to be that acceptance that we can change and that we have to educate because it's not common sense. Common sense is relative to whatever you have been exposed to in your past and spending. I have not been exposed to standing on the corner of a street and spending a sign. I've been on the side of a street, but I've been standing there that long doing a sign. So even for me as a safety professional, I couldn't say that I'll be an expert in how to do what I needed to do, but I could try thanks for listening to this episode of the leading and learning through safety podcast again quick shout out in may i will be in louisville at the kentucky safety conference in august i will be at the tennessee safety conference love to meet up i'm actually going to do some live podcasts there do some interviews you want to be part of this magic here's your opportunity I hope I can see you there. I think it'll be a great time. There's going to be some great speakers. There's going to be a great networking. There's going to be lots of great vendors, including myself. Come learn more about TSDA leadership. And until next time we chat, stay safe.
0: Thanks for listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Join the online conversation at www.markafrench.com. All opinions expressed on the podcast are solely attributed to the individual and not affiliated with any business entity. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitute for proper policy, appropriate training, or legal advice. and the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast.